Hello and welcome to the Quartz and the Chaos podcast. I am Jack and I am uh, not as always because the last couple episodes have proven that, but I am thankfully joined by Grayson and Blake. We're all healthy. We're all together and we're ready to have a normal podcast. Last couple we've had, uh, uh, some of us have been out for the count uh, with some some illness the past couple times, but we're back and we're, we're ready to go. Yeah. And the great schism for yes, it is, uh, the great yes, schism is over. from the chosen. <laughs> Ecumenical joy reigns That's once right. again That's in right. the course and the chaos. No, we couldn't that land just, quite that's firmly a on, on which people. Don't Jesus be it was being taught in that one. Was it Mormon Jesus, Jehovah's Witness Jesus, <laughs> Roman Catholic Jesus? We don't know. So right. that was the battle. Um, <laughs> so anyway, to this tonight, uh, we are last episode we talked about covetousness. Uh, which was a very interesting episode. It was a good study. And personally for me, it was a really good study, something, a a topic that not many people often dig into. You don't hear a lot of sermons on covetousness. Uh, It was good for me. It was was helpful for my soul. And and this week we're going to extend that a little bit. There's some bleed over here. Uh, Not quite the same thing, but there's certainly some similarities. And we're going to talk about greed, Um, the common struggle of the Christian life, greed, greediness. Um, so any, before I, I've got some statistics here on how greedy we are in America, but before we do Grayson, Blake, any opening thoughts, anything you want to add before we jump into, uh, how greedy America is? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just excited for your statistics. Yeah. Personally. I just think of like the, the multi-billion dollar pet industry alone. And I'm like, if that is a multi-billion dollar industry. I can't even imagine how much money gets, yeah. you know, hoarded yeah. away or spent on all sorts of other things. Oh man. Yeah. Grayson coming right at, coming right <laughs> out of the shoot with after the fur babies. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Quiz. Yes. Finish, in, fin, insert the blank here. Fill in the blank. The average American home has how many items? Oh yeah. Like individual items? Are we talking like, like utensils? Forks? You guys are yeah, over, right. You're over, and I yeah. are on the same page. Right. <laughs> Baptists. We instantly run to You're the overthinking utensils. the question. <laughs> are we talking about like like potluck items? Yeah, right. How many po- <laughs> are you asking how many crock pots I have? That's a personal question. <laughs> yeah, three that per the LA Times, three hundred thousand yeah. items. The average American home. Yeah. Here's another one. 20, 23% yeah, per, uh, yeah. of adults pay late fees on bills because they lose them. One out of uh, four houses <laughs> with two-car garages keeps so much stuff in it they can't fit a car in the garage. Oh, we just had this conversation. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or like in our, in our text group. Maybe you were ignoring Jack. Or maybe you weren't there. Yeah, but like where I think what it's a cultural group? thing. It's a cultural thing. Jack, uh, I, Baptist only. No, Uh, super secret. No, no, no. I think. Oh, you might. It might have been on one of your travel days. But we were having that conversation of culturally, like around where I live, nobody parks in their garage. Nobody does. It's like all storage kind of stuff. Whereas in like New England, everybody parks in their garage. Well, in Wisconsin, people. I mean. One of the you know non-negotiable items in a home is a basement, and it's literally because you can store half of your junk down there. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, we yeah. had floods in our old house at least a couple times because like a sump pump failed in the yeah. basement. And by the third time, I mean, we were already throwing out boxes that we had never opened from when we moved. And right. at that point, I'm like, it's. I'm glad it flooded just to get rid of <laughs> right. all this junk. But... Right, right, right. Um, on average, every American throws away over 68 pounds of clothing per year. That's a lot. Um, Americans, I got two more. Okay. Americans spend about 1.2 trillion a year on non-essential items. And then the last one here is uh, about women in clothes. So don't send us emails. I didn't come up with the uh, statistic. But according to a study by Closet Made, I don't know who that is. The, this is per Dr. Google. So take it out on him. The average American woman has 103 items of clothing in her wardrobe, but considers 21% to be unwearable, 33% to be too tight, 24% to be too loose, uh, and that's and a further twelve percent of the wardrobe is occupied by new unworn clothing, leaving just ten percent. Only ten percent of an average woman's uh, wardrobe is sure. supposedly wearable. So there you go. There's huh. uh, there there is your uh, greed breakdown. I'm interested if that's if that's an accurate like reflection. So if you're a lady and you have 10% of your clothing that you look at and say, this is all I can wear, um, drop us a comment or something on Facebook. I'm actually interested to see if that's a verifiable thing. That's yeah. crazy. So what is greed? Um, we'll start with the good old dictionary. Uh, Oxford Dictionary says that greed is intense and selfish desire for something. And I'll add to, to Christianize the Oxford Dictionary here, add that Intense selfish desire for something while ignoring God and eternal perspective, right? Because ultimately greed, we we have a biblical framework, a Christian worldview. We understand that greed is sinful and the selfish desires are rooted in idolatry and uh, and an abandonment of, of God, uh, thankfulness for God's provision, right? So um, I'll add that, as I mentioned in the beginning, yeah. there's some... Overlap here with covetousness in the last episode. I think when we talked about doing these, we thought this might be one episode and they kind of merged into two. And there might even be a third one here on contentment uh, later. But, um, you know, but there's some overlap. They're not completely identical. You can listen to the last episode. I don't want to go into covetousness too much. Um, but even even within the Bible, there are times, depending on the translation, where they take the Greek word, sometimes it'll be translated greed and sometimes covet, right? So... The, the the heart sin this this right, insatiable right. desire for something other than God um, is is kind of rooted there right it's a, it's a similar thing yeah right there's kind of a doesn't greed though I think when we were talking last time it seems like greed though too like in our cultural understanding has that little hook to it of um, of not only a desire for something, right. but to I think that'd be the like difference. hang on to that something. Yes. So like not, yep. not, yeah. And so not just the coveting aspect, but you think of like your uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, you know, like hanging on to it, won't, you know, won't spend it, won't give it away, won't do anything like just having it for the sake of having it uh, seems to you be. You know what's interesting? 
an aspect. This is just my perception. Mm-hmm. You guys can tell me I'm wrong. Culturally speaking, I feel like covet covetousness or coveting is socially more acceptable than be greedy. Would you agree with that? Oh, oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Every, yeah, every oh, yeah, commercial definitely. on TV teaches you to covet. I mean, literally every commercial. Yeah, right. And then and then it's wrong. And then culturally, it's wrong if someone else has something that you don't have. Yep. In fact, I was at Lowe's today, and I parked next to a car with a with one of those bumper stickers, "Eat the rich." You know, <laughs> <laughs> good old Oregon bumper yeah, sticker. Yeah, and, and you know, yeah. something something I'll add here that, and, and it's it's probably worth stating. I think we mentioned this in the covetousness episode that greed, uh, coveting. You can do that regardless of how much money or stuff you have. Poor poor people covet. Poor people are greedy. Rich people are right. greedy. Rich people right. covet. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's it has nothing to do with the amount of stuff that you have, and it's it's, yep. it's it goes right to the heart. It's the attitude. It's the inner core. Right. Right. Yeah. It's truly yep. beyond. It is beyond the socioeconomic you know status of the individual. It's not a money issue. It's not. It's it's a heart issue. So I got uh, Grayson. Do you want to? I think there's a text here that we we identified as a key text, uh, maybe as as a launching pad, if you will, for the discussion here. Do you want to re- read that? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So this is a parable of the rich young fool in Luke 12 verses 13 through 21. It says someone in the crowd said to him, "Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me." But he said to him, "Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you?" And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them of a parable, saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich yeah. towards God. Man, what a parable. There's so much there. Uh, I, I, I took away a couple things. You guys feel free to ad lib. But I think in this parable, we get a very clear teaching on... Um, the foolishness of of not being satisfied with God's provision, right? You've got this guy, I'll build more barns, get more stuff, and then I'll be happy. And he's fooling himself, right? Clearly that's that's there's there's never enough. He'll never be satisfied. And and then at the end of this parable, you know, he says your soul will be required of you. Basically, he's going to meet his maker. And uh he's no no eternal perspective, right? This this idea of yeah. I'll get more and more and more. Well, doesn't matter because your your days today, right? Right, right. There's a the thing that always has always stood out to me about this parable in particular is that the the rich fool is that he's essentially living an atheistic uh, mm-hmm. mindset of like God's not even in the equation and his security and his hope i mean right in his statement he says soul you've laid up ample goods for many years relax eat drink be merry i mean there's no sense of uh duty to god or duty to man uh there and then he just he just doesn't have that thought and his security is 
not in God, but in his stuff. Yep. Yeah, the thing I look at too with this one too is there's there's not a word of thankfulness to God, right? Um, there's that mindlessness of God on full display. I think of Romans 1 and Romans 2, right? In Romans 1, Paul highlights the grand sin of mankind is that lack of thankfulness towards God, um, an acknowledgement of him as a creator. And you see the same thing demonstrated right in this parable. I mean, here the man has ample goods, right? He has been given many, many things. And he says to himself, look what you've done. You have laid up ample goods. Now it's time to kick back and eat, drink, be merry. Basically, Paul's sentiment in Corinthians, right? Uh, if the resurrection is not real, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you die. Well, for this guy, he has obviously no clue of what's coming for him. But it's the same exact sentiment of a godless man. Where do you think? Where do you think retire? Where do you think retirement plays into mm -hmm. this? I actually think it it plays into it quite heavily. Um, I'm I'm gonna make an unpopular statement, but I think. Uh oh! Uh, ooh, <laughs> surprise! See, coming from fur me. babies, <laughs> women's closets, and now going for the retirement. Yeah, I'm just gonna trifecta all yeah, the way through it. Yeah, we're hitting no, the cycle I think, tonight. Uh, <laughs> I think what we've been taught. And what's ingrained in our culture, and I think what's even ingrained in the heart of man, is that we go well beyond the established principles of wisdom, and we look to basically what this man is doing. That's how we view retirement. We look at retirement as that golden age in which we no longer have to work or really pay much heed to the things of God. We can kick back, we can relax, we can eat and drink and spend it on our leisure. And what we want to do is have enough in our nest egg so that we, we can do that comfortably. We want to travel. Yeah. We want to leave an inheritance to the kids. But seldom do you find people thinking of, well, when I die, um, perhaps I give to the church that I go to, or perhaps I give to this organization, which has been faithful in the proclamation of the gospel or in translation yeah. work or whatever the case might be. Um, what we typically do is we, we always look at it in that me-centered way. And I'm guilty of this myself because I can still look at my own future. And I think there's that aspect too, where it's like we, we can fool ourselves into thinking that by being quote unquote wise, um, we're going to set ourselves up for retirement. When in reality, it's just another indicator that we lack actual trust in God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you I have to reference it. Because uh, somebody out there is thinking about it, not just me, but the the very famous John Piper Seashells uh, sermon example. It <laughs> yeah. was, it, it, you know, it's in his book. Um, don't, don't waste, waste your, your retirement. Yeah, or... don't waste your life. Thank you. Okay. I, I blinked there for a second. But he 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 preached a sermon. I actually listened to this. It's interesting. I actually listened to this maybe a month ago, and I had listened to it since maybe I was twenty three or four. But, but Piper gives this great example. He says, here's, and I'll simplify it, but he says, here's two people, and I want you to tell me which one is the tragedy. Hmm. On one hand, you have two women who move to South America somewhere and are missionaries. Uh, they never got married, never have kids. They're just friends, but they wanted to be missionaries. And while they're down there, the brakes go out on their vehicle, and it goes off a cliff, and they die. Or, and he re pulls up this article from like Reader's Digest or something, and he reads this example of Jim and Susan, I don't remember their names, but they they were able to retire at like 48. And now that they've retired, they spend their time walking around the 
the uh, the beach collecting seashells. And then, you know, Piper emphasizes like, what are you going to show the Lord? Lord, here's my seashells, you know? Yeah. So you get all those memes and stuff now. But it's such a great example. And he's like, the, it is a tragedy. This idea of, right. of I th- casual life at the end of life. That's when we should yeah. be, to, to, the, to the ability that our bodies will, and will let us. Right, right. There's so I much wisdom can, and knowledge, right? Yeah, I think you can retire well. No, you can't. I like. don't think a lot of people do. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people do. No. I think you can, and 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 in a sense, it's it's kind of, you know, it's kind of cliche. It's not really retirement. Like the Christian perspective is not to eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you die. The Christian perspective is, okay, now I'm not working. Now I can really get to some other kind of work, a, a missions, yep. you know, missions work. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, diving into these different things that maybe I never had. Because so many people you talk to, it's like, man, I would love to do that. I would love to serve in that area. I would love to do those things, but I can't because I've got a job and, and a family, you know. Yep. Yeah. And, and yeah, the way we're not, I look we're at not... it, uh, I was just going to say retirement for the Christian is eternal life. In that sense, where right. that's where you're going to have Ooh, genuine, true rest. I'll rest when I'm dead. Well, yeah, the, I mean, I, I hate to put a crassly, <laughs> but it's like yeah. that's the reality of it. Um, that's good. I, I was, that is a good way. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah, sure. and I don't think either of us are saying, except maybe maybe Blake. I don't think any of us are saying four hundred one ks are bad, right? No, like, they're not no. inherently evil. Guys, no. just send your 401k <laughs> to the course in the chaos so that some kingdom work can be done. No, 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 not at that. all. Not at all. TCITC premium content going. Yep, that's how we get it going. We need a we need a, a GoFundMe. Uh, right. A no longer tax sheltered donation. Yes. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> no, it's uh, So take the double hit. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a it is a uh, it's a thing that, you know, for if you're approaching retirement or thinking toward retirement, I think there's there's wise things, uh, but ultimately it's not so that you can be this man. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, so, I, uh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of another story. Go ahead. Um, there was a, a group of people that when they retired, they, they literally took all their money to put it into um, – a nursing home so they could pay for a nursing home for themselves. And they did a church plant in that nursing home. Hmm. And I'm like, that's a wonderful way to retire. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've heard of, I've heard of, of people dying and giving their inheritance to a church. So the church can pay off medical bills of, of people in the community. Yeah. That's cool. Medical debt. Like, which I thought was kind of a cool, cool thing. So, yeah. Um, But anyway, so the, the we've we've digressed a little bit, but the the point that we're trying to get at here in the introduction um, to move back around it, greed to be greedy is a pretty common thing. I think, um, you know, struggles with money and possession are not new. Uh, Professor Google told me that there are twenty three hundred verses in the Bible. I counted each of them uh, on money. Right. And anyone who's read the Bible, the Bible does talk about money and the use of money a lot. Right. Jesus mm-hmm. taught on it a lot. And it's, it's I think uh, I, because I think I've said ahead. this before, but it's one of my favorite little tidbits is that if you take all the times in the Gospels that somebody comes up to Jesus with a question over half of those times have to do with money or inheritance. Yeah. 
or some kind of a thing. I mean, whether it's taxes, whether it's like getting something like there's people that are lame and lepers and, you know, people puking all over. I don't know, whatever people like all around <laughs> Jesus and some guys busting through the crowd going, oh, my inheritance, you know, <laughs> like, like that's like, is like it, that's the big question. And that happens like over, like yeah. from what we see, like over 50% of the time. And it just shows you that the human, that it's not a new thing. Like this isn't just a Western or American thing. This is something that's been around for a long time. We yeah. think about, you know, my mind's on my money and my money's on my mind. Yep. Thank you, Snoop. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I would say as a very materialistic society, like, what? <laughs> I just Blake drops that line and he starts like, <laughs> no, no, well, no. Then Jack, <laughs> but then Jack. I think I said something last week, and then Jack said, "Thanks, Notorious." So apparently, did, I'm just yeah. into quoting '90s rappers. I guess. All right. Yeah, it's because you're hip with the culture. Yeah. See, this is what happens when you're gone too long, Grayson. <laughs> Blake reverts back to 90s we start devolving. Yeah, we start devolving. <laughs> His '90s rap roots come out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we live in a materialistic society, right? And I would say because our society is so focused, as Grayson, as you pointed out, on it, it trains us to covet, right? It trains the right. culture, trains us to covet. But because of that, it makes it even harder, I think, for Christians in American Western civilization to recognize greediness to to discern like it really takes some heart work to to evaluate am i being greedy am i not being greedy right you know it's it's i think it's a struggle i think it, and it's a, it can be a silent thing um but it is a very serious thing too right, right. um uh, greed disorders our affections i would say right. fundamentally this is at the heart of what's going on it it creates idols and we we condemn the eternal things we condemn and ignore um disparage god's promises in right. exchange for temporal comforts yeah what's yeah. interesting is when jesus says store up for yourselves treasures in heaven right yeah and like how often do we actually think forward that way of, of that what we do now is making is we're making you know heavenly investment if you will Yep. Uh, and I think where greed and things comes in, particularly for the Christian, because it's easy to kind of go on and on about like the the culture and things like that. But if we bring it like home to us in in our pew, you know, yeah. I wonder, I wonder how many times we look at things like legitimate needs, like needs, you know, for the church or needs for someone in the church or, you know, just whatever needs that come up. Someone loses a job and the family's, you know, struggling. I wonder how many times we just jump to like, well, I can't, like, I can't help with that. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or if, or if there's a special offering taken up for something, some missionary, I mean, whatever the case may be that we're more concerned about, you know, being able to eat out that week or we're more concerned yep. about drive up coffee shop or, or we're just more concerned about, you know, our own comforts yeah. than we are like actually kicking that forward. Like when I think about greed in a Christian kind of realm, those are, those are the places that my mind usually goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So le later on in the podcast, um, I found an, an article by a pastor named Stephen J. Cole 
and he he listed i thought it was a really great article and doing some research for this and he lists out 10 questions to kind of self-assess yourself Ooh. on you know just as a beginning point right to maybe think do i have greed like am i am i blinded to greed in my heart and anyway in one of these questions and i we can talk about this later i guess when the question comes to it but he gives an example he asked the question and says an example of this would be and this stung this really stung so i'm being transparent here um are you more upset when you lose something or i'm sorry i said that wrong are you more excited when you get something some new thing right new car new phone whatever it is you more excited about this thing versus hearing that someone came to christ like what what brings more immediate visible joy to you oh I'm not trying to sound super spiritual or anything, but definitely that someone came to the Lord. Like Good. it's not even a, it's not even a question. Well, no, no, no. I, I celebrate those things, but I can, I can yeah. think back in times in my life and I'm just like, maybe that's a Baptist is... distinctive. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. The joy of salvation. You got that Charles yeah. Finney, Charles yeah. Finney in there. Yeah. Hey, he was a Presbyterian. Was he really? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Not my Presbyterian. <laughs> jack you jack you made like a really part. specific like niche bumper sticker that says finney is not presbyterian. my presbyterian that would apply to a lot of presbyterians not my presbyterian um Rainbow no, the, 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 my presbyterian. the point being i i know there have been times in my life when i've like finally got this cool thing like yeah, either, like a yeah. new gun, and and like I'm like, oh, look at this, look how awesome this is, and I'm telling my friends, oh sure, yeah. texting pictures yeah. up to you guys, right? And I'm not sharing that or doing the same with when I hear about a new brother in Christ, right? And I'm not trying to over spiritualize something. It's not wrong to celebrate and be happy by getting a thing, right? But right. he uses this as an example of just a comparison. If that happens often in your life, right? Particularly if that's the pattern. If the pattern yes. is like, uh, yes, you know, I think I think right. it 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 gets. I mean move beyond the question if you guys are having a just a struggle with it but look at the principle behind it so the principle behind getting something new and fun there's nothing evil about that right right but now go to the principle behind the person coming to faith it's like somebody had to evangelize them somebody had to invest that time right. and resources in that person and it's like all of those different things could have been invested elsewhere and yet they weren't yeah um, in right. God's grand Absolutely. scheme and yeah. design, it's like that, that took some money that took some time and it took devotion and everything else. But, um, oh, yeah. I guess the point I'm in trying to prayer, drive to, I mean, think about the people that are praying for those things and those people to, you know, to happen and all of, you know, redemptive history leads down to the moment of that person coming to know the Lord. I mean, there's lots yeah. of things going on that are bigger right. than yep. right. your, uh, than your new xbox or whatever well, the kids are into these days and what i think of i remember i mean being a kid and saving up my money for ages to get a sega genesis because that was like that was the cool thing right yeah yeah and uh it was like 200 bucks for me to buy it and it was i was ecstatic but it took me a couple of years to save up my allowance at least and birthday money and christmas money and everything else that i had just to buy that thing and my question that I ask now as an adult is how long am I willing to wait and how much am I willing to invest in heavenly things for that yeah. right. delayed gratification, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Amen. All right, guys. Um, so I got a quote here for you. I hope you've got some aloe 
because some burn it may, cream, some burn cream, because it might burn a little yeah. bit. So, um, hey, to, talking to point about out, John Calvin and burning, it's just too soon. <laughs> just too soon. We're not ready to go there yet. <laughs> um, so we 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 established that Jesus taught on money a lot, right? <laughs> Um, one of one of the things and, and greed specifically, uh, the Lord's Prayer. I don't know. A lot, I think a lot of people don't recognize that. Give us this day our daily bread is a petition unto the Lord to, you know, prevent me, Lord, keep me from greed. Mm -hmm. Right? Help me be be content with what you've provided me. Let me not yearn and and desire and and you know go after more than that. And I was Calvin has a quote in the Institutes. Um, so again, have your burn cream ready, uh, quote, yet those who not content with daily bread, but panting after countless things with unbridled desire or sated with their abundance or carefree in their piled up riches, supplicate God with this prayer are but mocking him for they ask him, what do they not for? They ask him what they do not wish to receive. Indeed, what they utter abominate namely mere daily bread and as much as possible cover up before God, their propensity to greed. Whew. Monster. Yeah. Absolute yep. monster. The Armenians yeah. were right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where do you go from that? Um, <laughs> I think that'd make a great reel, Jack. Just so you know, just me reading that. <laughs> yeah, and then no, and really the follow-up of yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Just like, the uncomfortable oh. shifting. No, that's yeah. that is so. Man, that's so true. It is. I mean, as I was thinking about it, because you know, just having just read that quote, like when's the last time that I was like truly thankful. For the daily bread and with that hook of not wanting, not desiring selfishly beyond that, you know? Mm -hmm. When was the last time that any of us have even had to ask that prayer, right? I mean, we live in a culture yeah. where, or we live in a right. world essentially where we, we have food in our pantries that we just don't want to eat. Yeah. It's that, it's that old Jim Gaffigan bit. I haven't been hungry in 20 years. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Particularly in Western society, yeah, it's there's yep. there's an abundance that the 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 prayer for daily bread, like most of us have no concept, no most have no concept. So, no, yeah, Grayson, I think you were about to say something. I don't remember at this point. Um, oh, okay. Okay. Oh, sorry, guys. You're a little. No, um, you're fine. I'm I'm kind of lagging in and out, so I just see you guys frozen, staring at the camera, and I start monologuing in nervousness. <laughs> That's okay. Like wow, Blake um, is really interruptive tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Typical Blake. More so than usual. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Typical omelet Blake. Um. <laughs> That's a throwback. Omelet yeah. Blake. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. 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 See, we, uh, if you there's a tie-in because of the food. So right. Well, convenient. we have to do, sure. and we have to do a book giveaway. So, on this podcast, first person to write "Omelet Blake," if you haven't won a book from us before in the comments, we'll send you uh, "Praying Through the Scriptures" by Donald S. Whitney, hmm. free of charge. All you got to do is just throw it in there. But you can't do it if you've already won, 
Ryan. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that is Omelet Blake. Omelet Blake. There's another reality tier too, and it goes into kind of what Calvin, I think, is getting at. This speaking out of both sides of your mouth, right? Give us a stare of daily yeah. bread, but I don't really want that. I want more, right? Right. Yeah, that right. you can't you can't love God and money. Right. You can't right, you can't be completely committed to both. Yep. Um yet how many Christians have convinced themselves they can find a way? Yeah. Man, it just yeah. in saying the pious thing but not really meaning it, like saying that you know give us as they are daily bread and not actually oh man that that is such a good quote i'm gonna copy pasta that one yeah 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 we we say the lord's prayer at church every sunday the sunday <laughs> like i should be thinking about what, a little bit different i'm gonna be you're like, like on the yeah on the way sweat. like on the way to church you're telling the kids like hey this is really serious you guys that daily bread part no messing around no messing around yeah. no joking yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. And and to to that point, the the sin of greed uh is very serious. And there's a couple of verses there. I don't know if you guys want to chat about them or if anyone wants to read them. I put a couple down, but it's a, yeah. it's a very serious sin. It's it's we I think we can gloss over it in our society, but it's Well, a big we can. Deal. I mean, there's there's a reason why Paul includes it within all those vice lists, right? We've got yeah. all sorts of different things. I mean, you had it here, Jack. Colossians 3:5. He says Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality. So get that. This is how he starts. It's sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Um, right? Same issue with, like, sorcery and witchcraft, which is also idolatry. First yeah. Corinthians 5, 10 through 11. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Again, notice how he starts that. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. So right, the, the broader context of what he's talking about there is um, an issue of church discipline, but he's lumping in all of these different worldly sins together in the same category. And that's more so the point. When you look at it, I mean, you, we tend to make this what Jerry Bridges would call a respectable sin, right? Yeah. And that's because socially it's more acceptable than something like sexual immorality or murder or things that we, we judge on a more severe level. But here he just plainly states that these are the same immoral traits that this world holds. It is the same type of idolatry or impurity, as he puts it elsewhere, um, that leads to death. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal. I think, am I, am I remembering correctly that in that, text that first Corinthians five text, he says something along the lines of not to even really associate with these people or not to be lumped in with them. I forget how Paul phrases it. Yeah. So, something to that so he's talking about, uh, I think this is a, the correct one. Um, he's talking about the, the man who has had sexual relations with his mother-in-law. Mm, and okay. so he's, he, they're all boasting of their tolerance. Right. And so he's saying that this is a man you should not even associate with. And so yeah. that case is so severe. He's saying, you know, I wrote to you not to associate with the sexually immoral people. And he goes, not of this world, right? They still need the gospel, but within the church. So right. he's condemning it very, very strongly in the church. Don't even associate with these type of people. So when you look at that with greedy or with swindlers, it's like there's no association with them whatsoever if they're claiming to be yeah. a Christian. And this is their modus operandi, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why do you think... Why do you guys think that sexual immorality is so often listed with greed? 
they're both uh, selfish desires. Just lustful. I mean, I think self, I think that yeah. I think that's part of it. I think part of it is that it's just. I mean, they're both rooted in selfishness. Yeah, yeah. And selfishness in, is one of the classic, you know, root sins, as it's been described. When I look at the the lists of sin that Paul's classic for, um, I think what he's doing he's not even giving a comprehensive list. He's just he's hitting yeah. all the things that are. I think common to man in that sense where yeah again these aren't these aren't things that are new um since the dawn of time people have been dealing with the same muddy issues of sin from a, a broken and wayward heart that's given over to sin yeah so yeah. i think all he's identifying here is much of what we just kind of said is that um, it's born out of a heart of idolatry uh, a lack of trust or faith in in christ explicitly and what naturally comes as a result of that is just going to be the same type of impurity as sexual immorality. Right. 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 Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Grayson, would you say that money is bad then? Because that's what mm. I'm hearing. You're telling me money is bad. <laughs> what's, what's that verse that says money is the root of all evil, right? Yeah, right. All yeah. evil. Every yes. bit of evil. It is the root of all evil, period. <laughs> That might be the most misquoted Bible. Yeah, verse. it's true. Isn't it it's really? Like, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's you left out a pretty big chunk of that. That's really, really yeah. important. Called the, the love <laughs> of money yeah. is is the root no. of all kinds of evil or diverse yep. evils. Yeah. So yeah. to answer your question, though, no, money itself is not evil. It's just a tool, like anything else, right? Um, what yeah. is behind it, or what is the actual issue, is the heart. It's always going to be the heart. It's going to be the person that's having money, whether they're ordering their affections properly and living in submission to the word of God. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. First Timothy six seventeen through 19. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Verse 18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So yeah. there's responsibility that comes along with riches. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The interesting yeah. thing to me about that has always been that um, God's own motivation is bound up in treasure, right? For the Christian, it's just, it's a treasure that's otherworldly. It's eternal riches right. that never fade. Rust cannot destroy, moth cannot destroy. And so yep. it's not break like, it. yep. Yep. even on yep. that level though, it's like this, this reality that's rooted in the idea that it's not inherently evil, right? It's just that our possessions, our treasures are not to be stored up in here, but in heaven, right? So there's that responsibility of stewardship um, yeah, the idea behind it is that as God blesses you, you are to bless others, right? And he might bless you with little, he might bless you with much, but the reality is that behind it is that God has been the one that's provided it in his sovereignty to whom he desires. And our responsibility as mere stewards is to be generous with that, right? It's never really yeah. our money. It's always God's money. Yeah. 
Yeah, I had a former pastor, and the, the, he was he would say this a lot, and this is this is stuck with me. But he he would tell this he, he used this phrase a lot. But he told us one example, and I'm I'm going to butcher it a little bit because it's been a while since I've heard it. But <clears throat> he was going through seminary. Uh, he and his wife were really poor. They were struggling financially uh, just to get by. Right, he was working part time, going through seminary, like just tight, very very tight, and a tree fell in their yard or in their neighbor's yard. It fell out of their neighbor's yard and into theirs and like broke a fence or something. And he had to pay for it. And just out of frustration, he's angry, frustrated, angry at God that is all this is happening. And someone came up to him and, and basically said, yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's a weird way for God to spend his money. <laughs> and yep. and he like somebody said that to him and it just like stuck with him and i've said that too like yeah. when when ridiculous stuff happens it's just like well that's a weird way for god to spend his money but okay you know right. yeah <laughs> yeah a little anecdote i found helpful over the years so. <laughs> that is good yeah 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 um I, there's another thing here that i that i put in the outline about the way which wealth deceives so even though money money's not bad if we're not careful and if you're if you're not um if we not you if we as christians are not careful about how we manage it there's a deceitfulness to wealth and how it can greed can just store up within like it can just well up and you not even realize right. it's happening and i think the parable of the sower here um can uh, can speak to that a little bit so matthew 13 18 through 23 uh the parable of the sower when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown all along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on the account of the word, immediately he falls away. And then verse 22, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. And as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word, understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields it in case, in one case, a hundredfold, another 16, another 30. But that verse there, verse 22, as for what was sown among them, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And, Man, I just I read that and I sit here and think about the state of the church in America or Western civilization. Like we've we've gotten so comfortable and you know, there's so much abundance of everything. I wonder how much deceitfulness of riches has choked the word out. Like we we it, it it'll we stop when 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 we're so comfortable. I think we've talked about this in some of our COVID episodes and uh, some of our government episodes and, and whatnot, but when we're so comfortable, when we're not really challenged or persecuted, we stop relying on God. We stop seeing a need to, to seek after God, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Give us this day, our daily bread. We stop saying that we lose that mentality. And I, anyway, this, I think this parable does a pretty good job of speaking to that. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think, definitely. I think it does. I mean, uh, the, right, the context of it is dealing with with unbelievers, and so yep. there is a reality here where I think you can you can make a comparison to the church, especially in America, where people are coming in all the time and hearing the word, all the time, 
and yet what mm. happens but that the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches chokes chokes it out and so there's never a point where they come to true genuine faith that abides in christ so yeah. they've got all sorts of different things that will draw them back out of the church and it's a sad reality but it is a reality nonetheless and especially when we look at the state of the church as a whole right i mean yeah. jack who's that crazy guy that's in tulsa right now doing all sorts of stupid stuff that's oh, a michael todd yeah dude, the guy is dude, that church insane. that church is like two miles from my house it's, yeah it shares you, a parking lot any, with like, my chick-fil-a and you have no idea how offended i am about that would you I ask bet. i asked if you caught any of the afterglow from like the the neon lights and such <laughs> No, you... <laughs> they 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 bottle it up pretty well, I guess. Oh, okay. Have yeah. you heard anything? Have you heard anything, Jack? Like since because that's a relatively new development, right? Has there been any yeah. hubbub in and about? Uh, what's the word on the streets of Tulsa? <laughs> no one, honestly, no. The circles I run in, no one talks about them. Like, I don't know. No, no one in Tulsa that I know talks about. I'm sure there are people talking about him. He's all over the internet, right? But I don't. I don't pay yeah. attention. Like I said, yeah. the, the most personal connection to me is that their church shares a parking lot with the Chick-fil-A that we, that right. we frequent. Right. And yeah. yeah. Not my Presbyterian. <laughs> <laughs> I think he'd be closer to a Baptist than a Presbyterian in this case. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> not my non-denom well, or whatever. Not my, uh, not my EV free. <laughs> We're just um, on the list. Not not my Methodist. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, back on track. I was also thinking of Psalm 49. Um, this is a psalm I got to preach on a while back, but it is written in the traditional style of wisdom literature, and it's from a group called the Sons of Korah. Throughout the entire psalm, I mean, the beginning of it, he just he calls everybody to attention, and he says, "Give." Give ear all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, both rich and poor together. And then the rest of the psalm, he literally is just lambasting the one who trusts in his wealth. Um, what he what he's doing here is he's setting a contrast, not between those who are poor and wealthy, but those who trust in God and those who trust in their wealth or those who right love money or those who love God. The idea, though, is that everybody's going to suffer in this world, right? Both poor and rich alike are going to experience adversity. And his whole point to begin with is why should I be the one that fears on that day? The reason for it is that he's the one who trusts in God. Um, but for the one who trusts in their wealth, he says, in essence, it, it's ultimately the height of folly. They may have the abundance of their riches. They may have their, as we would put it in modern terms, uh, fancy toys. They've got the cars. They've got the nice big house. But how the psalmist breaks it down at the very end of it is he's like, no man is going to redeem himself from the pit of death by his riches. No man will be able to give to God a ransom for himself. Ultimately, he should just stop trying and just even try to, you know, there, there's this aspect where the rich are trying to live eternally. And he's like, just don't bother because you can't do it. And for one, I think of the modern day where i mean when you have a tremendous amount of money what are people always striving after right is that sense of eternality um but he goes on to just talk about this even more so of how senseless and stupid it is literally those are the words he uses in the hebrew it's just 
they're like the beasts that perish in the field, utterly stupid and senseless. At the end of it all, the point is they'll go down into the grave just like everybody else has before them. Ultimately, the only difference between the rich and the poor is the object of their trust, not the contents of their pocketbook, so to speak. It's God who will redeem us from the pit of death. It is God who will take us to himself and give us eternal life. When you die, you can't take anything with you, right? None of that, even if you bury yourself in your coffin with it, it all just rots in the grave with you. At the end of it, he says, we should not be impressed when we look out on this world and we look on somebody with massive wealth. Why? Because everyone dies, right? The, the, the big determining factor of it all is that only the one who trusts in Yahweh will see life and see peace and see everything else that is actually guaranteed to outlast the temporary fleeting pleasures of wealth in this age. Yeah. Amen. Amen. We should end the podcast there. Well, thank you for listening. And, <laughs> and we have some other, some other stuff, but that would, that that would be a great ending. This is bonus um, content now. Yeah, from here on out, it is bonus content. Yeah. That was the Course and Chaos podcast. Thank you. This is your premium content warning. If you have not, if you have not designated your 401k to the Course in the Chaos, <laughs> please do not listen any further. Shut it off. Just kidding. Um, Am I greedy? Questions for self-consideration. <laughs> After after you ask if they've given their four hundred one k, am I greedy? Yeah. <laughs> hey, it was a running gag, right? Sure, Jen. Um, in preamble to this, these kind of list of questions here, I do want to point out and encourage people that it's really hard to self-diagnose sin, right? So, yeah. um, these are meant for self considerations. Like, meditate your heart upon these, but. Ultimately, if if you are concerned about greed in your heart, I'd encourage you to talk to your spouse, talk to your pastor, talk to your elders, yeah. uh, and just seek seek external wisdom from people who know you really well and are shepherding your soul. Right. right? That's just a great practice, um, anyway. It's just a great practice. It, yeah. If yep. you have a trusted, you know, believer in your life that you can say, "Do you see anything?" You know. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. So. But these are some questions, having uh, established that, here are some questions for self-reflection to kind of examine your own heart. I thought these were pretty good. Uh, do I, ask yourself, do I view my money and possessions as mine or God's? And actually, not like just theoretically, yeah. but right. do you, do you but do live you, in such a way? Do you live yeah. like it? Yeah. Do you live like it's, yeah. you know, the money possessions are yours? That's the thing. Because any Christian listening to this would say, oh, yeah, well, it's you, God's, you, of course. We know the right yeah, answer. I know that theological answer. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's God's, of course. I just never consult him about anything about his finances. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, if I knew that I were to die in one year, would I do anything different in my management of God's resources? I thought that was a pretty interesting question. This is getting real personal. He's getting personal. <laughs> I think it was. He's getting hot in here. Is it hot in here? <laughs> I think it was Martin Luther that um, he said something to the effect of, "I'll show you what a man believes about Christ if you show me his pocketbook." Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
I thought that was Charles Finney. <laughs> not my president. Charles Spurgeon? Yeah. <laughs> I think it was Luther. Not that my four hundred one k Presbyterian. <laughs> <laughs> question uh, number three question, is a good one. Yeah, yeah. Question three. Take it, Blake. Why do I want more money? Is it family provision? Is it like to help to actually you know help administer, or is it to have bigger and cooler stuff? Is it is it to pass it along to someone else and use it for the furtherance of the gospel? Or is it to spend it on myself, on my own selfish desires? You know, yeah. yeah. yeah I wonder if is... some of our financial woes is because uh, we ask amiss that we can consume it on our own lusts. You know, James yeah. would say yes. That's what I was going for. You picked up yeah. on that, Grayson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's been reading their Bible. Plus ten points I'm a for thinker. Grayson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. Oh, man. Am I more concerned about making money than I am about my eternal destiny? That's a big yeah. one. I mean, that's that is a big one. That's a huge one. If, and it's if that you're... verse we read in the, the beginning, right? That the parable of the bigger barns, right? Are yeah. you, what yeah. are you concerned with? Like, how but, do you, yeah. I think even of Christ where he's like, what, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Yeah. You can gain everything. Yeah literally everything in the world and yet if you go to hell what's it matter yeah. right yeah Nothing. and solomon and i think solomon is proof that like you don't even have to wait that long like you don't even have to wait to die yeah. and go to hell yeah you i mean it's it's like you can have literally everything you know solomon says anything i wanted i did not i kept nothing from myself right like which of us has the power to actually say that like has the position and the money to actually say whatever I want, I can do. Well, Solomon yep. did. And then at the end of that, you know, all the riches, all the living, all of that stuff. And at the end, he says it's vanity. Yep. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What is the true source of my security? Is it money or God? Yep. Yeah, it goes right back into that psalm. The next one, yep. how much do I mourn the loss of money and things? I think that's a huge one too. Um, yeah. It's like we live in a sinful world that's broken and everything is affected by the fall. And yet how many times are we shocked when something breaks? Yeah. yeah. Right? Where's the, like, so here's a, here's a parent question. And I don't even know. Like, I don't even know what I'm thinking on this. I've just been working on the roof all day. I'm a little bit heat stroked. And this is what came to my mind, right? Yeah, so kid crawled up on a roof and started stabbing holes in it. What do I do? <laughs> right, right. I was, <laughs> I was lamenting the roof because the kids are tearing the shingles up. No, no. But like, how often do we get angry at others, like kids for like breaking things or, you know, or, or something gets, you know, messed up. I mean, it's. I mean, obviously, yeah. you're, you're not letting your kids just run wild and break things. But I wonder, like, where's the limit on, like, where's the limit on how upset you get over something <laughs> yeah. that's valuable or sentimental? Because for me, like, that's where it gets even more difficult. So, you know, we yeah, did. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, go ahead. Go I, ahead. I was just going to say, we, we carried a couple of principles with that one. For one, um, it was like if you were told like this is a no touch and you touch it, <laughs> right? You gotta, yeah, you yeah. got a discipline. 
Um, right. Yeah. And the, yeah. the principle behind it was not the stuff. It was honor mom and dad. But yeah. If no, some, that makes sense. Things happen though. Right. It's like accidents happen and things get broken. If it was a true accident, we always sought, literally sought to do our best to never flip out, to never flip right. out. If right. it was ever high handed rebellion or it was like, yeah, you, yeah. you were told not to go over this area and you did it anyways. And now you broke it. It's like, now you have to like actually face some consequences yeah. here, kid. Right. 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 Yeah. That's a, that's right. a great, like, that's a great, uh, filter to look at that. It's not yeah. so much about the stuff as it is. Did you obey what I told you to do in staying away from something or not throwing the ball in the house or yada, yada. Yep. Right. But, but yeah. But judging it if accidents happen, yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Timely advice. Do I cling to my things or am I generous and ready to share? This sounds an Everything awful lot but... like socialism to me. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, uh, that's, my that's goal what I, I look at if I'm like, <laughs> apply my books to that. Right? Oh. I think, of your, think of your books, Blake. I'm logging off now. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that's, a good like, that's a good. No, that's a good application because I would. I mean, full disclosure, I would say, I know the value, like the content of some books that I'm nervous to lend out, <laughs> lest I don't get them back, or I get them back and there's like burrito stains on them or something. You know? <laughs> yep. Why were you eating Taco Bell? In reading The Death of Death by John Owen. <laughs> yeah. Like you're, are you, never mind. No, I, I mean, but that's a good, but that's, a, that's actually a great, so again, that's Grayson's knocking out of the park tonight because that is a great, like down to earth example. I think yeah. for us, like as book guys, like I think we would put value and care into our libraries. And am I ready to share that at risk of losing something? Yep. Or having something damaged, you know? So, yeah. 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 That's good. yeah. What, there was a, when that actually hit me was when uh, I came home one day and my daughters, they were young, they're putting flowers in all of my books and just pressing them into the cover. And they had taken them all off. So there's piles of books everywhere. And I was concerned that they had ripped pages or whatever. Right. And at that point, I'm like, okay, something's wrong. Like if I'm watching my, my sweet little girls put flowers in the, the dust jacket of my books and I'm getting upset by that. I mean, my wife right. lovingly rebuked me, but it was a point where I recognized that my, you know, covetousness and my greed yeah. was in a different realm than money. And so, yeah. yeah. And beside the fact now that pull... the girls knew that you were allergic to those specific flowers. Yes. <laughs> we'll besides get you, the, old man. But it is all nightshade. Yeah, <laughs> is this poison oak? What are you doing? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Jokes on you, girls. I'm immune to poison oak. <laughs> but yeah. now I open up my my commentaries and that, and then I'll will follow a flower, and I'll I'll very like preciously put that flower back because that flower has yeah. more value to me than the book does. Man, that gets but, me a little man. That gets me a little misty eyed just thinking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Do Another I great example? Do I compromise godly character or priorities in the pursuit of making money? Like how how shady are you willing to be, Christian, to make yeah. to make a few extra bucks? You know. Yeah. And this is things yeah. like, I mean, this is everything from, you know, 
fudging your time card to cheating on your taxes to I mean and all things you justify, right? Like the man doesn't need more of my money. I need more of my money. So here's a little yeah. adjustment yeah. on the taxes. Or here's, you know, my boss, you know, yeah. is, is or whatever, I'll punch sale. in a little early, you know, clock out a little early. I mean, all of those things. Um, it doesn't have to be stealing from the till. Uh, it could be other things as well. Yep. Yeah. Am, uh, I, prone am I prone to... to... Oh. Go ahead, Blake. Uh Sorry, lag. Am Go I prone to... Oh, right. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I'm just following your cues, Jack. Am I prone to get-rich schemes? This one was a good one. Not just uh, get-rich schemes, was... get-rich-quick schemes. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. I was actually thinking of the, uh, the Wall Street's bet thing. Right when yeah. uh, people I th were, I thought about actually when I read that I thought about uh, Bitcoin and crypto and uh, stock market, Wall Street bets, like yeah, all that stuff. That's kind yep. of where my mind went immediately too. I wonder how that guy's doing, by the way. The uh, the guy who the Wall Street oh, bets the, guy, was the, the, the guy or the Dogecoin guy, the Doge, was it the Dogecoin yeah, the Doge guy, guy that like yeah yeah that was I mean, last I heard he was not doing well. Like he was he he was he was holding. Like just for the sake of holding, where even where people are like, "No, dude, you need to sell seriously." <laughs> so, <laughs> one of my favorite memes is the guy going back to work at McDonald's and uh, like he's putting his uniform back on, and his coworkers are <laughs> hey, like, "How's it going, Diamond, diamond hands. hands?" Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> uh, we just lost another listener. Yeah, right. Someone, just, someone else just. There goes man. This is off. like let's just call this the offensive episode. <laughs> <laughs> Final question. Um, am I in bondage to credit cards and debt? Yep. Dave yep. Ramsey would like to know your location. He, yeah. Yes, he would. So as we move into conclusion here, because we're, we're about an hour kind of out of time, I think it's probably best to talk about what we can deal with greed, right? And, and probably, if you're honest with yourself, most people said yes to one of those questions somewhere or <laughs> were sensitive to it. You're like, Oh yeah, there there's again, there's no, there's no end to the depth of our sinful hearts. Right. And mm -hmm. greed is such a challenging sin because we live in a society that, that camouflages it with covetousness. Like it just, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's something that you can, you can have in, and go for a long time without really being confronted or recognizing the seriousness of it. Right. So, right. Um, I think, and that's part, and the, that's it. Particularly that's where credit cards and debt are a big danger yep. because yeah. it's yeah. that, it's that promise of having right now what you should. I mean, it literally is, you can have right now what you should not have right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yep. And, and it, uh, Oh man. And yeah, then, you you cobble that with you know our propensity toward greed, danger, danger, danger zone. Yes. So how do I deal with this, Jack? So, I'm a greedy sinner, saved by grace. Well, first, first you need to give me some of your books. <laughs> right. <man. laughs> 
Jack, I will give you some of my books. You give me some of your money, and, and the we'll man have a went book away. Sale. And the man went away very sad, for he had many books. <laughs> for he had many books. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that was uh, funny. It's getting late, and now we're getting we're getting, getting sad. So yeah, to, I thought this would be more serious. Yeah, it is a serious. Yeah, how do we deal with the point. greed issue? Uh, seriously, uh, remember to begin with, we need to remember who we are in Christ and realign that with an eternal perspective, right? What does it mean to be in Christ? Colossians three, one through four. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For if you have died, your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who it, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And then uh, Ephesians 3.8 speaks of, of the, just kind of ironic, right? We spend all this time seeking for money and stuff and, you know, cool things, whatever. When Ephesians 3.8 reminds us that in Christ we have unfathomable riches. Right. Yep. If you think about right. it, too, like in this world, for the Christian... The one thing you cannot lose is Christ. You yeah. can lose everything else. I mean, just look at Job. You can literally lose everything but Christ. So, I mean, you're looking at, like, the things that are valuable and where the focus needs to go and, like, where your heart and mind and soul should be attached. They should all be attached to who you are in Jesus and who Jesus is to you. You know, so what's Romans 8 says that, you know, we are his inheritance and he is our inheritance. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Amen. Amen. Another thing that I'll say, so remember who you are in Christ and, and what that means for an eternal perspective as it relates to your life and money. But acknowledge, and we talked about this earlier, acknowledge that God is really the owner of all things. You possess nothing. You've been given things to be stewards over them. Right. Uh, so, so remember that your stuff, your money, your finances, uh, these are gifts from God. Right. He is the owner, creator, sustainer of all things. They've been lent to you. Right. Use them wisely. Right? I wonder, it's such a, it's such a strange thing that we have such a hard time with that for people who claim to be not our own for we were bought with a price that we get so grubby about our, uh, our stuff. Yeah. Mm. We yeah. all do it too. We all do it. Yeah, like to one de right. like to one degree or another. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a prevalent, which I think is I mean one of the reasons we're even talking about it. Yep. Is that's why I think Gollum yeah. is such a just a wonderful picture of greed, right? If you think of Lord of the Rings and Gollum is just this haggard little creature in the cave, and that's what a greedy person essentially is. It right. looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Is, Obsessed yeah. for the one thing that's robbing him of his life. <laughs> yes. <know>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So yeah. I loved what you put at the end of this though, Jack, because this is that, uh, you know, principle of replacement, uh, that it's not mm -hmm. simply just stop being greedy, but it's start being generous. Right. Yes. And one of the best ways to combat and kill greed is to purposefully be generous. Yeah. And yep. look for opportunities Amen. to give and don't, you know, and don't get all, 
I don't know. This is kind of a dangerous thing to say. I think sometimes we overthink generosity too. Like you think about being generous and then you step it back and you go, oh, well, I don't know, you know. And you start having all these reasons why you shouldn't or couldn't or. Well, I was was thinking about giving $200, but maybe I should just give 50 because that seems reasonable. Yeah, I don't want to be zealous. yeah. What if a big expense comes up? Right. 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 I mean, man, yeah. and that's a danger. That's the thing we haven't even. That's the thing we didn't even cover, and we're over time. No. What's that? Is that we didn't even touch on living in perpetual fear that something's going to come down the road that you have to be stocked up for. Yep. Yeah. You know? That's that's like, true. Then that's like, a, you could yeah. argue that's in that parable that we read right. in the beginning too. Right? Yep. To a point. Well, yeah. and. I mean, it's it's all throughout everything we've talked about because we we again cloak it in wisdom. In reality, right. it's just a lack of belief. I'm not saying yeah. go out and now dump all your possessions and leave your family destitute, but I am saying that we often short shrift God's own ability to just simply provide for His children. Yeah, and then we ask, yeah, or at least the the, yeah, the, the venue that He would use to provide. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And you miss out mm-hmm. on a blessing. Like you you like there's this wonderful thing going on with the sovereignty of God and an opportunity for you to give and be generous, which you receive a heavenly blessing for, and that person receives a temporal blessing and they see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. There's so many things that are mm-hmm. that could be taking place, but so often we walk it back. So Yeah. 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 Man. All right, yeah. people. Giving Giving kills the greed. Be generous. It does. Be generous. Yeah. So I think, if I remember correctly, I think next time we're going to talk about contentment. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. Or maybe it's going to happen now as we put it, on, put the it on the docket. But yeah. So I'm I'm pretty excited about it. I think I mentioned that last episode. I'm just jazzed about the contentment episode because, again, it is, it is a superpower. I got to dust off my burrows here. I got to finding me Get somewhere on my shelves. It's yeah. such a good book. Your burrows. Yeah. We also had that little we also had that little talk uh <laughs> <laughs> He's lost it now. He's like the eyebrows. Do you get it? Burrows. The the burrows. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go to bed. It's really late. Well, this has been the chorus in the chaos <laughs> podcast. <laughs>